Do you ever wonder if God grows tired of arguing with his people? I wondered that as I read of this exchange between God and the prophet Jeremiah. The words paint this beautiful picture of God speaking to Jeremiah. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Such beautiful imagery of God lovingly knitting together Jeremiah. First in God's mind and then in the womb. Such beautiful thoughts of God knowing Jeremiah before his human existence. Mighty words of the call on the prophet's life. I have set you apart. I have appointed you. And what was Jeremiah's response? Ah, oh, Lord God. My, my mind went back to, do you remember the Kathy cartoons? When presented with any hardship, Kathy would yell, Ack! And usually head for the freezer for some ice cream. Do you remember these? Ah! cried the would-be prophet. Probably not the response that the Lord was hoping for, but a response that God often got. Isaiah resisted the call. Moses argued with the burning bush. Jonah ran and hid. Well, he tried to hide. That didn't work out so well. I wondered if God ever gets tired of having to convince us that God truly knows best and that there is a plan for our lives that there is a call on our lives, that we will be equipped for that call. Finally, after listening, listening to enough of Jeremiah's arguments, God reaches forward and places his finger out to touch Jeremiah's mouth, as if to lovingly silence his protest, so that God could speak and remind Jeremiah that he does not need to be able to speak well, because it will be God who will truly do the talking. Jeremiah is being instructed that this life that he has, it's not really his own life. The life that he has been gifted with belongs to God, and God has made a plan for it. As I thought about this, I thought about all of the young people who have recently graduated. Maybe they're heading off to college this month, or maybe they've entered into the workforce. And they have all of their hopes and their dreams and they pack them all up in boxes and bags and ideas of what they will be, and they head off into the wild world. And they ask themselves, what will I do with my life? And they expect that they will have the answers. They expect at 18 years of age that they'll know what they're supposed to do with their lives, what their occupation will be, what impact they will have on the world. They leave for college or for employment and they begin adulting and they fully expect to know the answers to these questions. And I have news for them. As a former 18-year-old who knew, well, most anything, if you asked me, I knew it all. Well, I'll be 47 this week and I still don't know the answers to most of those questions. I am still figuring out what life is all about and how I can create change in this world. 
If I had one piece of advice for my young friends, I would tell them to stop trying so hard to figure it all out for themselves. I would tell them to stop trying to figure out what they will do with the rest of their lives because experience shows us that only a small sliver of adults end up doing what they thought they would do when they were 18. You see, our ideas change over time. Our ideals change over time. We change over time. We know ourselves more and more as we get older, and, and we think we will know ourselves better and better, and we never, you see, that's where we get it wrong. We never return to the one who has known us all along. That's where Jeremiah got it wrong, and Isaiah, and Moses, and Jonah. That's when I got it wrong. And when I was 18, I didn't know a tenth of what I thought I knew. Now I'm almost 47, and I know a little bit more, but as I get older, I realize that I really don't know that much. But God knows. God says it in the, these first words to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. God knows. Before we even existed, God knew us. Yet as we travel through this life, we put all of the emphasis on ourselves to know. To know who we are, to know what we should do, to know what decisions to make. And when do we take the time to ask the one who has known us, before we were us. As we attempt to answer these life-altering questions of what should I do, what career should I pursue, what education or training should I invest in, should I get married, should I marry him or her, what should my relationship look like, how can I be a good spouse, a good friend, who am I even? We spend our whole lives trying to figure out who we are, and we don't ask the God who has known us before we were us, who he intended for us to be. We talked last week about the results when we try to decide who we are. We talked about how wrong we can be when we strive to determine our own anxieties, or our own identities, excuse me. We finished up our gospel in the Toy Story series with the story of Forky, who could not see his identity as anything other than trash. And all of Forky's efforts in life were based on his wrongly self-assigned identity. How much time and effort do we waste trying to fulfill our own ideas of who we are and what we are without ever consulting God? And then... When God has the audacity to come to us and to speak to us about who God sees us as, we cry out, ah, I can't be any of those things as if we know better than God. How prideful of us telling God what God should know about us. So back to my question, does God ever tire of arguing with us, of trying to convince us, of trying to reassure us that we're not what we believe? We are actually who God knows us to be, who God created us to be. Who we are is not just a question for our youngest disciples. 
we all struggle to know who we are. We all struggle at times growing so confident that we tell God who we are or who we are not or what we can do or what we cannot do. I think that scripture answered my question. I'm sure God becomes frustrated with us. But what can we learn about the nature of God through these holy words today? God rescues us from the burden of trying to live out the life that we create. Rather, God calls us to live the life that he creates for us. Before I knew you, I formed you. I set you apart. I appointed you. When is the last time that you had a conversation with God about what God created you for? Or what God is calling you to do? Have you ever? Well, that might be too much for your first time. That's a lot. So if you can't begin there, how about starting where we left off last week? How about presenting your idea of who you think you are to God and then letting God respond with what his idea of you is. You see, your presence does not come without a purpose. You are not here for nothing. You're here for something. When is the last time you asked God what God's plans for you would be? And I don't care if you're 18 or you're 81. If you are still on this side of glory, there is a calling for you. There are plans for you. There is work for you. Friends, this is not your life you are living. This life is a gift from God and it comes with an expectation. It comes with the expectation that you will surrender control. We, we had a party at my sister's house last week. My nephew had his newborn, little, little Wade was there. And my niece had her three children there, and she's very pregnant with her fourth child. And I watched as my three-year-old great-nephew, Corbin, frustrated the life out of his mother. Corbin is in the I do it phase of life, of toddlerhood. Do you remember this? I do it. He's looking at some impossible task before him that he is not equipped for or qualified to master, but as his mom reaches out to help him, he proudly and stubbornly declares, no, I do it, in his most authoritative toddler voice, which I love. My niece did not love. And in that moment, I got a glimpse of what discipleship can look like from God's perspective. You know, scripture says we begin as infants and we grow in our discipleship. Some of us are stuck in the I do it phase of discipleship. And it doesn't matter what your chronological age is. It doesn't matter how often or how long you have sat in a pew in a church. Sometimes we get stuck in the I, I do it phase. Or we can be stuck in Jeremiah's, ah, I can't do it. I don't even know which is worse. But it doesn't really matter, I suppose, because either way, we're not trying to do what God is calling us to do. We're not trying to let God intervene in our lives. Just as Ashley went to, to help Corbin and he proudly declared, I do it. Or 
as God came to Jeremiah and Moses and Jonah and me and you, I can't, I can't do that. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you don't know who you are. I don't know if you're stuck in I do it or I can't do it. But it doesn't matter what I know. If you don't know who you are, ask God. God has known you since before you were you. If you think you know who you are, because we rarely look in the mirror and see the magnificent creature created in the image of God that God created us to be. If you don't know who you are or you have an idea of who you are, ask God. God has crafted you with intention and purpose. God can lead you in knowing your true self. If you think you can do anything, if your answer to any situation in life is like little Corbin's, I do it my way. You better ask God to set aside that pride and to help you see God's way for life. If you think you can't do anything, if your response to God's call is to cry out like Jeremiah or Moses or Isaiah or even comic strip Kathy, ah, I can't do that. Ask God to remind you of your gifting, that you're made in God's own image, that you bear the Holy Spirit of God, that Jesus died for you, and God will empower you to fulfill whatever call is on your life. If you're trying to force life to fit into your expectations, first of all, good luck with that. Secondly, ask God how life could look different if you tried to make your life fit God's expectations. But a word of warning, Jesus did not come to the earth. He did not live and he did not die so that we can live in comfort. Jesus came so we could live on mission. How many times in scripture do we see Jesus minister to someone and say, now go and tell others, go and serve others? Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up and serves those in her home. Jesus heals lepers and tells them, now go and show the priests that you have been healed. Jesus heals the man of many demons and tells the man to go home and tell others of what God has done. Jesus ministers to the woman at the well who thought she had no worth and tells her he knows her, he sees her, and then instructs her to go and tell others in her village, and many came to know. Jesus saves mankind, dying on the cross, rising again, offering true Christian identity to all, and he sends Mary back to tell her brothers in the faith that he is alive. Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will come and empower us to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into the world and to make disciples. Jesus came and lived and died and rose again that we will live on mission. We will never know ourselves as well as God knows us. We will never truly be ready for the mission that God calls us to. We will always be stubborn and insistent on doing things our way. We may resist hearing God at all, 
We will always resist God's demand on our lives, wanting things to be our way, fulfilling our vision, completing our plans. But my prayer for you and for me is that we continue to grow in our discipleship and that our prayers will become more frequent and our conversations with God more truthful. My prayer is that we will set ourselves aside a little bit more each day, striving to become more of what God calls us to be. My prayer is that we will surrender to God's power to give us the words we need, the actions that God desires, and the understanding that is beyond our power. My prayer is that we understand that this life we lead is not our own. This life we lead is truly on loan from God who has known us since the beginning of time. And all God's people said, you may remain seated as we sing a response